We believe that God is everywhere present, and he can work his miracles everywhere, and he does. But something happens when we come together and worship him and elevate him, and God can do amazing things. So we believe that. In 1991, in the Atlantic Ocean off the eastern coast of the United States, a fishing boat was caught in a freak collision of three storms. One of those three storms was Hurricane Grace. This true story was chronicled in a book and made into a movie entitled The Perfect Storm. If you were one of the crew on that boat, one can only imagine the thoughts that were going through your minds. The feelings of helplessness, the wind, the waves, the Everything was totally beyond their control. Sense of desperation, thoughts of family and wives and children back home, wondering, were they ever going to see them again? Maybe this storm would blow over. Maybe there were thoughts of regret that haunted some of them facing possible death. The what ifs, the if only I had. Those thoughts and feelings the men might have had on that fateful voyage in the perfect storm. We can only suppose since they never did return. There's another group of men whose lives were in similar danger in a perfect storm. Wind, waves, their boat being swamped. They were all afraid, literally, they were afraid they were going to die. It was not in 1991, but it was in AD 31. And it wasn't the Atlantic Ocean, but it was in Palestine on the Sea of Galilee. Today we're going to talk about the perfect storm. I'd like you to turn with me as we join them to Luke 8, Luke the 8th chapter. It's on page 840 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. It'll also be on the projection in front of you. Luke 8, starting with verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Our country is in a storm today. Not a literal storm, but crisis upon crisis affecting each and every one of us. Things that we've never faced before. It's an incredible storm through which we are all living. Now, all the accounts in the book of Luke, Luke the author included for a reason. Why did he include this particular story? Most of us are not fishermen, at least professional fishermen. The area of, of Seattle where Judy and I pastored was called Ballard, and it had a heritage of fishing and fishermen that went way back over 100 years. And Ballard, when you looked at the history of the city, had lost its share of husbands and fathers and sons to the sea. They understood the, the dangers of, of fishing. 
But what about us? How is this relevant to us in Wisconsin? We just kind of fish for sport or ice fish for hobbies. And some only have had a real scare on the, on the Caribbean in a squall on a cruise ship, okay? But all of us experience storms, perhaps of a different kind. These may be personal storms in which we are blown around by forces that are out of our control, beaten by waves of circumstances that toss us up and down. Our boat or whatever we ride in that provides our security somehow becomes very, very small. Our circumstances out of control. We have feelings of helplessness, fear, despair, and desperation. We wonder if we can survive as we struggle against all the odds against these storms against us. We ask, where is God? Does he know? Does he even care? And if he does know and care, can he even do anything about it? Or is he asleep? Relationships, employment, health, finances, cars breaking down, sick kids, elderly parents needing our attention. What storm are you in today? We're going to look at five perfect storm principles. And in the final analysis, we will ask the disciples, with the disciples, not why, but who. Who is this? We're going to talk about God today as the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, inseparable from Jesus. Jesus as God came to demonstrate who God is, and I will use God and Jesus interchangeably today. Five perfect storm facts. Five. Number one. God knows. God knows. Jesus allows us to enter storms. Jesus allows us to enter storms. God knows. Do you think Jesus didn't know the weather forecast? I've always thought that if I were to do it over again, maybe I'd be a weatherman or a meteorologist. That there's no other profession in which you can be wrong 50% of the time and still be admired, respected, and make a good living. Did Jesus not know the forecast? That's the question. I apologize if we have a meteorologist here. Okay. He knew the storm was coming, yet he sent those guys out into the lake. It was a big, big lake in a small boat, knowing it was going to happen. In fact, Jesus initiated this. He sent them out. He said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Why did Jesus do that? The only way he could teach his followers who he was was to enter an impossible situation, something they could not handle on their own to demonstrate who he was. God allows us, even leads us into storms, impossible situations beyond our control to show us who he is. Have you ever been sent into a storm? Maybe you're in one right now. Not a literal storm, but a storm of circumstances, emotions, people, winds producing waves, producing obstacles. What winds are causing your waves today? You may be feeling like the followers of Jesus in fear, desperation, helplessness, feeling I'm about to die. God knows. The starting point is God knows. The storm is not to show what God could do. God can do anything. This storm was to show who God is. God knows. The second fact, 
God goes. God goes. Jesus goes with us into our storms. God knows demonstrates Jesus' deity. God goes demonstrates Jesus' humanity. God goes where people are. In the ultimate sense, he sent Jesus, who became one of us, so he could go where we go. He could experience what we experience. How many of you have ever had an ant farm? You know what an ant farm is? Okay. At least, okay, a couple of an ant farm. Um, an ant farm was kind of like an aquarium. It was like a fish tank with no fish. It was skinny. It had sand instead of water. Instead of fish, you had ants. Other than that, it's just like a fish tank. An ant farm was a narrow container with clear glass on both sides. It was about this wide. And it was filled with sand. Okay? Filled with sand. And you put ants in there. And the ants would dig, dig tunnels and make rooms and carry food. They'd do all this stuff in front of your eyes. It was, it was fascinating for a kid to watch that happen. And I always thought it would be awesome if I could be an ant and I could crawl around there and, and dig all, all those tunnels and go through that just like the ants did. Well, in the same way, God looked down on us in our ant farm. And he decided to do that and become one of us. He shuffled around in our dirt for 33 years. God goes. He, he became one of us to be with us. And this story is that there's a great picture of God's human side. He was, Jesus was God. Jesus was human. He was tired from teaching all day, praying all night, and healing sick people. He was tired. He went to the back of the boat to take a nap. Picture God sleeping. I don't like to think of that, but God sleeping. That's what happens. God goes. It's very important to me to have a God that understands what it's like to be tired. A God who understands what it's like to be in a storm. My storms, my temptations, my emotional distress, my fears, my physical tiredness, my fatigue, burnout. In Hebrews, it says he was tempted in all things, just like we were, yet without sin. Because God goes, Jesus goes, because he could enter the storm with his followers, feel the wind, feel the waves, learn their fear, he could do that because he was human. And he can also feel what you feel. One writer tells a story in a book about a boy who went into a pet shop looking for a puppy. The store owner showed him a litter in a box, and the boy looked at all the puppies. He picked each one up and examined them and put them back in the box. After several minutes, he walked back to the owner and said, I picked one out. How much will it cost? The man gave him the price, and the boy promised to be back in a few days with the money. Don't take too long, the owner said. Puppies like these sell quickly. The boy turned and smiled knowingly. He said, I'm not worried. Mine will still be here. The boy went to work weeding and washing windows and cleaning yards. He worked hard and saved his money. And when he had enough for the puppy, he returned to the store. He walked up to the counter and laid down the pocket full of wadded bills and cash. The store owner sorted and counted the cash, and after verifying the amount, he smiled at the boy and said, all right, son, you can go get your puppy. The boy reached into the back of the box and pulled out a skinny dog with a limp leg and started to leave. 
the owner stopped him. Don't, don't take that puppy, he said. He's crippled. He can't play. He'll never run with you. He can't fetch. Get one of the healthy pups. No, thank you, sir, the boy replied. This is exactly the kind of dog I've been looking for. As the boy started to leave, the store owner started to speak but remained silent. Suddenly, he understood. Extending from the bottom of the boy's trousers was a brace for his crippled leg. Why did the boy want that dog? Because he knew how it felt. And he knew it was very special. Jesus is able to do for us because he knows how we feel. He identifies with us. Jesus goes with us into the storms. But he was asleep. Do you ever feel that Jesus is asleep? Sleep on the low bench in the stern of the ship where the steersman sometimes took a nap. Jesus rested in peace and slept in the middle of the storm, not because he knew what he was going to do, but because he knew who he was. Sovereign king, lord of the universe. What did he have to fear? He was boss. In our storms, our impossibles, we tend to think about what God is going to do, how he's going to deliver us. We want to figure out the solution, wait for God to perform it for us. Trusting in what God is going to do when we should be trusting simply in who he is. Rest in the fact of who he is. We want Jesus to do. He just is. Rest in the fact that he's present always in the middle of our storm. A song says it this way. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. Sometimes he calms his child. God, I just want to be with you, storm or no storm. Calm me in the middle of my storm simply because you are here. God, I just want to be with you. And I can say from experience, I'm much more aware of God's presence when I'm in the middle of a storm than when I'm sailing on smooth waters and experiencing blue skies. God's presence is far more real in the storms. In the calm, we forget he's in the boat because we don't need him, so we think. So God knows. God goes. And number three, God hears. God hears. Jesus hears our cries for help. Jesus hears our cries for help. We have a God who hears our prayers. Our religion is the only belief system in the world that believes in a loving, benevolent God who hears us when we pray. We don't have to work it. We don't have to convince it. We don't have to shout, connive, manipulate, or bribe our God. We don't have to try to buy him off. We pray, he hears, he answers. In this story, the boat was being swamped, meaning it was being filled with water. That's a big problem. How many of you have ever been in a swamp boat? Some of you are better sailors than I am. Okay. I used to lifeguard and teach water safety, and, and I would make my sto- students fill the rowboat or the canoe full of water to show them 
that you can still make progress because the boat still floats. You can, you can paddle a boat and you can keep moving even if a rowboat or canoe is swamped. Now, that's calm water. <laughs> if you're in a crazy water and waves, it's not, it'll sink for sure. In a storm, if it gets swamped, it'll sink. These men were in very real danger. These guys on the boat were experienced fishermen. They'd been on all kinds of water, okay? And they said, we're going to drown. We're going to drown. Absolute fear. And Jesus hears. He doesn't minimize the seriousness of the storm. He doesn't minimize the danger they're in. But what he does is question their faith. They say, Master, we're about to drown. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? I don't know if you've said that to God. Don't you care? Don't you care? And what's Jesus' answer? Where's your faith? What's faith got to do with it? You know, it's like, we're drowning. We're about to die. Where's your faith? Faith is looking at God, looking at Jesus, seeing that Jesus has a solution, is the solution. Unfaith is looking at the storm. You can't see Jesus for the storm. Faith is looking at Jesus. So God hears. Here's their cries. Number four, God cares. God cares. How do I know? Because Jesus calms our storms. Jesus calms our storms. What did the disciples expect Jesus to do? Not, not what he did, for sure. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and it was all calm. This was no ordinary passing of the storm. He did it instantly. How did Jesus do that? Because of who he was, he spoke. He spoke. God's word. His words. He just spoke it. How did the universe, the world, the planets, the stars, the constellations, galaxies all begin? How did this all start? God spoke. God spoke. Jesus was and is God. God spoke. What do we have in front of us? God's word. God speaking. God's word. God speaks. God speaks in a lot of different ways. Most common today, he uses friends, he uses teaching, he uses books, he uses all kinds of things. But God's word is where he primarily speaks to us. And I want to encourage everybody here, if you don't have a Bible, bring your Bible. Read it, highlight it, make notes in it, mark it up. It's God's word. Use it. And allow God to speak to you every single day. Storm or no storm, let him speak. I believe the most important time of our week is when we come together to meet with God and worship and hear from his word, the Bible. And we should never miss a day of reading the Bible or miss a Sunday. God has something to say to us every Sunday and he has something to say to you every single day. Storm or no storm, he's got something to say every single day. This is God's word spoken today. So Jesus spoke, instant calm, wasn't an ordinary passing of a storm. This was a miracle, an instant calm. Anything slower would not have impressed these 
fishermen. The reaction of the disciples demonstrates the dramatic nature of this happening. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? Who is this? They were terror-stricken. They were almost more frightened after the miracle than before the miracle. They had seen a lot of storms come and go on this lake. This was absolutely, totally, utterly different. Well, Jesus doesn't always calm our storms instantly. We wish he would. Sometimes he allows the storms to develop. And it would have been great had these disciples been at peace in the middle of the storm just because Jesus was there, because Jesus was in control, at peace without calm. They weren't. And Jesus rebukes these guys and says, Where, where's your faith? I lost it a few waves back. It implies that the disciples ought not to have been terrified. They should have trusted him. He says to us today in your storms, in my storms, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Lord? Is this still working? <laughs> 